When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are qualified London Blue Badge tourist guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our websites guideemily.com and alexlacy.com for information about our upcoming walking tours and virtual tours, as well as what the Blue Badge Guiding Qualification is all about. Hello. Hello, Treacle. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm really good. I'm really good. I've just been out for a lovely long walk in the sun with a friend, which was fantastic. It's gorgeous. Starting to become spring. Loving it. Really loving it. How about yes, you? Yes, I was going to say you're you're looking pretty summery. You've got uh, got your arms out today, Alex. I'm looking a bit sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, lovely. Just run in the front door at the right time to to record the podcast. But yeah, how about you? What are you up to? Um. So what have I been up to? Went for a nice walk at lunchtime. It's the height of excitement, um, isn't it, now, going for a walk? It is the, the height of excitement. Um, I did find out something pretty amazing, actually, a couple of days oh. ago. Oh. You and I both have a ukulele. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Which is also love... the height of conversation. <laughs> I was going to say, I love that that's the thing that you've excited you that you found out most this week. Yes. We're going to do some ukulele fun, aren't we? Yes. Have a ukulele off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You'll win completely. I haven't played my ukulele since I was about 16, but it does exist. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I've been loving that. And I've been I also in lockdown actually. It's been it's been a, a source of great joy. Good. Yeah. And I also enjoyed your baking this week as well. You baked me some uh, some beautiful cookies. This is all such trivia that nobody cares about at all, but we're, we're discussing anyway because it's the only time we get. <laughs> well, you know, this is the these are the highlights of my week. Yeah, you, yeah, you got some of my I've gone on a baking bit of a baking uh frenzy of late and you've uh, you've been reaping the benefits of that oh they were delicious good yay mm-hmm. right well onto the the proper stuff then <laughs> onto the pod onto the so pod. um thank you for coming back guys if you are indeed back we hope so if you're, if you're <laughs> yes, new this, welcome. this might be your first ever pod with alex and i and yes if so hello and welcome so um we last week we were chatting about what were we chatting about i've forgotten uh, completely uh, gosh, what were we chatting about? <laughs> bedlam. We were talking about bedlam. <laughs> yeah, yes. Bedlam. Which, How can I forget? I was fantastic. doing bedlam. Uh, 
Um, yeah, yes. it, you know, it's, it's such a great story. And I, I could have gone on for donkey's years about it, but it's so fascinating. Um, and yeah, I did speak to a couple of people in the week who were just like, oh, I hadn't realised it was quite so full on. It was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's quite dark, lot. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all of those different... Um different therapies that they had inside as well and, and I love that idea as well about um of this huge crumbling building that mm. looked like a palace but was just yeah sort of this, this crumbling well what they called um palace of lunacy um mm. or palace for lunatics which is yeah amazing anyway um so at the end of last week we picked the two things that we thought were key to the story we did what did you go for i went for the rotational chair therapy which is essentially a patient is strapped to a chair and they are spun around you know a ridiculous amount of times uh, a few times a day as well Um, and just that that picture that you painted I just thought that it was incredibly horrific so (laughs) I went for that of course you did goth guide Uh, (laughs) love a bit of death and destruction don't you Uh, (laughs) and well I went somewhere slightly different I went for Ned Ward who was the diarist who had that great quote about telling us that you know the sounds of the hammering and the hollering and really a very kind of emotive picture of what it uh, would have been like inside um, Bedlam and the, the noise you know, if you went as a as a visitor the noise to to hear that that kind of chaos and where we can understand where the word Bedlam comes from when we hear uh, quotes like that about it just being noisy and banging on walls and, and screaming and all that sort of stuff um, so there we go how do you think you've done this week well um, I think it's going to be incredibly close it is incredibly close I've checked mine and I had a cheeky glimpse at ours um, that's not I, your job and it is I am allowed to look at the archive Alex, no, you're not. you can't stop me looking at the archive of course I can um, so I've had a little look and yes it's very very close I think um, I'll be delighted if I win but I will not be that shocked if I haven't okay um, so the rotational chair which was your pick got 38 points and okay. I have to tell you it is very very close it's apart from the one where we came equal this is the closest it's ever been because Ned Ward, the diarist, got 37. Oh, what did you say I got? 38. <gasps> yes, I was just about to say, I hope you got Rachel's uh, vote down because I think she voted for me this uh, week. Yes, yes, that's in there. So, oh, so, so God, so Rachel swung God it. for Rachel. <laughs> wow, that is, that's wonderful news. That is absolutely brilliant. Um, not so brilliant for the people on the rotational chair, no. but... <laughs> Um, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, like, so <laughs> really. But gosh, you know, um, well, I don't know what to say. Thank you Bravo. very, very much for voting. Do you want to do like an Oscars acceptance speech? I want to thank my agent. I want to thank my parents. Those who's I feel like that needs to happen, but I'm, I'll, I'll hold myself back for a, a bigger win. <laughs> when you, when you go into the lead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Because I'm still like three points, uh, three points behind you. No, I, I think that makes it two points behind, doesn't it? Is it? I think um, it's thirteen. It's thirteen ten currently. So yes, that's right. Two points behind. So that does that make thirteen eleven now with this? Thirteen or? eleven. Thirteen eleven. There we go. You see. I'm coming yeah, to get she's, you. She's coming I'm, back. I'm coming to get you. She's coming back. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, where are we off to this week? What's the? Uh, it's your week this week. So um, yes. Your so choice. the wheel landed over in Southwark. 
Um, and I decided to go for something that was attached to the Shakespeare's Globe Theatre. Yeah. And when I say something, I mean someone. <laughs> I have decided to talk about the wonderful Ellen Terry. Oh, and I'm, I'm so excited about this because I love her story. Um, and we haven't had a bit of theatrics. Well, we've been a bit dark and gloomy with our topics of late. So let's True. bring it back with a bit of showbiz and razzle dazzle. Showbiz, bit of shaky. Um, so, yeah, this is a very light, gentle talk today. There's right. no torture, would you believe? Um, it's a lovely story that I'm going to be telling you about. Um, so... Ellen Terry, or if you want her full title, it's Dame Alice Ellen Terry, if you please. Okay. And she has been um, painted on numerous occasions. There have been poems that have been written about her. There are many photographs. She was a well-known actress. For a little while, she was a theatre manager. She was a public speaker and basically became one of the most popular stage performers in Great Britain and also North America. Wow. What yeah. era are we talking here? What are, what, are, what are the dates? So it's 19th century. She was born in 1847. Okay. And she was born in Coventry. And she grew up around a family of actors. So her father, who was Irish... He was uh, a bit of a, a, a comedian, a bit of a Love it. bit of a comic, um, and his mother was Scottish, and they actually they were in this comic troupe in Portsmouth, down at the bottom of England, and they were uh, a kind of a, a comedic touring company. Oh wow! Um, just as a, a side note here, just to let you know, I used to be a sailor clown in Portsmouth. Okay, wait, hold the phone. What? <laughs> yeah, true story. What? I used to uh, dress as a sailor. I had a red nose <laughs> on my face and I would basically just mimic everybody walking around Gunwolf Keys in Portsmouth. Um, okay, I have so, I, I, so many questions. Uh, why a red nose? I was a sailor clown, Alex. Of course, yeah, I forgot the clown bit. Um, okay, w- th- w- this is this is a conversation for over a pint of beer, I think. Um, so many questions. Okay, yeah, so right. I never got paid for it. I don't know if they wanted me there, but that's <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> um, anyway, I just that's, think right. That, we'll we'll talk about that another day. I think we'll that's amazing. Day, yeah. <laughs> I'll get a picture out if I can. Um, oh God, hang on a minute. My alarm's going off. Oh, that's telling me to stop be stop being an idiot, Emily. That's that alarm. Um, <laughs> stop. Stop, stop clowning. <laughs> just stop clowning around. Um, so, I, yeah, I just think, you know, if you were growing up and you had um, actors for parents and, you know, they were always uh, writing comedy and cracking jokes, it would just be such a wonderful environment to be in. Yeah. Um, there was no formal schooling. And remember, this is the early 19th century. So in terms of girls being highly educated, it's, it's not that likely. Um, but instead, her parents um, educated her and also trained her to be an actor. Oh, right. Wow. So much so that she started to appear on stage at the very young age of nine. Nine? That's awesome. Nine. What kind of roles is... What kind of roles is she doing at nine nine years of age then? Shakespearean roles. No. Yes. No. Seriously? Yes. So her first production was The Winter's Tale or A Winter's Tale. Um, and that was at the Princess Theatre, which used to stand on Oxford Street. Kind of a quite a, a small little intimate theatre. Um, also the role of Puck in Midsummer's Night's Dream. That's quite, I mean, that's quite an important role. 
as an incredible incredible role i mean yeah <laughs> to do that that's incredibly <laughs> impressive yeah and i think you know people knew her parents people um, respected her parents so if her parents pushed her forward you know without trying to be one of those act act parents like please see my child pass her through the audition process um i think good they job she was good though isn't it because if she was awful they'd be like oh <laughs> here come the terries with their daughter and she's terrible We've got to get her <laughs> exactly we're gonna have to say yes really yes <laughs> they're the terries can we make her the back end of a horse in the panto like <laughs> Um, So she was Park She also played Prince Arthur in King John Oh my goodness Yes, yes, so she did all sorts Um, And when the theatre that she was working in Which was the Princess Theatre was closed Which it was closed in the summer um, She would help her father on productions At the Royal Coliseum Theatre So, you know, she was constantly seeing behind the scenes how things worked, how people put things together, costume designers. She was really kind of able to get to know the ins and outs of what it takes to put on a performance and to be a performer. Yeah. I mean, great to have that from your parents going, this is what you have to do. I mean, yeah, free training. Fabulous. Yeah, exactly. And the comedy as well. You know, she was very well known for her comedic timing. Not that she she didn't do too many uh, kind of sketches on stage. Although when she was a teenager, she did start to perform with her sister Kate for a little while. And they would put on these kind of bedroom dramas and little kind of funny sketches every so often. Um, But her timing and the rhythm that she had with her voice uh, was just phenomenal, apparently. And sadly, there's only a couple of recordings of her uh, speaking, um, you know, kind of um, reading a a few lines from a script. You can only find a couple online on YouTube. But just to hear her, I urge anybody after this to go and have a little look. You can easily find them on YouTube. And just the timing, you can't help but just really tune into what she's telling you. That's so lovely. Yeah, because of course she would have been around at the time when recordings are only just coming in. So mm. yeah, not going to have the, the, the full back catalogue, but it's lovely yeah. that she's, she can still be heard. Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, for about two years in 1861, she worked at the Royalty Theatre, which was located on Dean Street in Soho. Um, and then she started to work with quite well-known actors and at this point she's still only what about 15 yeah i was gonna say she's still not not very old no she's very young she's working with people like charles windham so you might have heard of the windham theater Mm -hmm, that's named after this uh quite prolific actor um then headed to bristol to be a burlesque dancer oh da 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 (laughs) nipple tassels at the ready ellen (laughs) i've always heard Um, i I love burlesque i think it's brilliant i've always heard burlesque referred to as um, stripping with a levels Uh, (laughs) yes (laughs) yes i love a bit of burlesque my sister is uh, a burlesque dancer is she really yes she once um performed while she was pregnant um, and she was kind of like her. She she dressed as a big ice cap. It was like to do with the melting of the ice caps. And she <laughs> peeled away bits of ice around her stomach. And suddenly she was Mother Nature, Mother <laughs> Earth. How and amazing! Was like, oh my god, she's pregnant. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So she performed in a few burlesque roles. Um, so she was singing. She was dancing. 
and just very beautiful you know people were incredibly captivated by her um also performed at the theater royal in bath which is a beautiful mm. little theater and that's where she performed for the first time in midsummer's night's dream which uh, tended to be a play that she constantly went back to really? uh, playing different characters it's a great yeah. play though isn't it it's a great play mm, i love it it's so dreamy and mystical and yeah it just allows you to kind of dive into a different world for a little bit doesn't it i once saw it at the regent's park open air theater and it's amazing oh, because lovely. that it, it you've got the trees that border the back of it and we went to see mm. it um for my birthday many moons ago because my birthday is in the summer it's very close to midsummer night actually and we went on midsummer's night and it was lovely because they when they're when they're coming on stage they were sort of clambering over the back of the scenery as if they were coming directly out of the wood it was so fantastic yeah oh, really, wow. really good and just yeah as you say with the lights in the trees and the kind of just the twinkly atmosphere it's just yeah, yeah lovely oh i bet that was fantastic it was amazing um now, because she was very talented, because she was very beautiful, a lot of men fell at her feet. Um, she actually married three times in her life and had numerous relationships. Good for her. Uh, absolutely. Uh, her first relationship was with the artist George Frederick Watts. Oh. Yeah, she, she got to know him quite well because um, uh, her and her sister would often go to his studio and he would paint them. And there's one famous painting that you can find online. It's called Choosing. And this is where Ellen Terry, she is basically choosing between the earthly vanities of life, which is symbolised by these huge puffy red camellias, which just look so beautiful. Um, But they're scentless against these um, kind of more humble looking violence but they're hugely fragrant, so she has to choose. And she's like clutching at the camellias and she's just got it like right up against her nose, trying to get as much scent as possible, but there's nothing coming from it. So it's an amazing painting. Wow. I don't think I know that one. I'll have to go and have a look. Oh, it's gorgeous. Um, and so she she was captivated by him. She was very impressed uh, by his talents, by his artistic abilities. And she also wanted to please her parents. She wanted to choose, choose a, a good man to marry. She uh, married uh, Watts, George Frederick Watts, and he was actually three decades her senior. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I've just brought up that picture that you're mentioning. And I do know that picture. I know it really well. Mm. And I hadn't ever realised that was Ellen Terry. It's lovely, Gosh, isn't it? Yes, she looks gorgeous. incredibly young. Um, and yeah, other, the other paintings that he's created of her as well, she just looks so angelic, and but so thoughtful at mm. the same time. She's, yeah, really amazing. Gosh. Um, so, so they got married, and this was just seven days before her seventeenth birthday. Oh my goodness! So, pretty young. That's, that's um, a little, but, mm, little on the edge, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, a little bit on the edge. But I have to say, in 1907, as we kind of fast forward just for a split second, she did marry later uh, an actor from America called James Carew, and he was 30 years her junior. Really? So, yeah. God, that's that's quite the 60-year age range in our hobbies. It is. 
years. So I don't know if maybe that, you know, she was influenced by this, by the marriage that she had with Watts to suddenly um, go the opposite direction. Who knows? Who knows? Um, How fantastic. and go down 30 years as opposed to going up. But, Good old um, Ellen Terry. But yeah, I'm so they up. got married. They got up. married in. <laughs> I know. So they got married at St Barnabas Church in Kensington. And actually, William Holman Hunt designed her wedding dress. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah, which is a very well-known pre-Raphaelite painter. So, you know, she's she's incredibly well-connected with so many people, so many affluent people uh, around her, especially now that she's been, that she's married to Watts because he was certainly in the, the, the public eye. People knew him. People wanted to gather around him. Yeah. But uh, this marriage is only going to last about 10 months. They soon separate. And this is mainly because she feels a little bit uncomfortable with being this child bride. Yeah. Um, She's stared at by a lot of people. And also Watts has got a huge line of admirers, which is getting to to Ellen. She can't handle that. So, So they separate, but they still remain good friends. Um. And as I say, he introduced her to lots of different people, people like uh, Robert Browning and Lord Tennyson, prime ministers, photographers, um, lots of people. Photographers. Photographers. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Photographers. Photographers. What's the matter with me? <laughs> <laughs> photographers I no. mean honestly yeah I know it's photographers <laughs> oh, really enjoyed dear. that <laughs> god anyway so she performed in many London theatres that still live on today the Adelphi Theatre mm-hmm. um, the Theatre Royal Drury Lane a classic and classic and she played opposite Henry Irving for the first time in the Queen's Theatre Okay, and uh, they were the lead characters, this was in a David Garrick's one act version of The Taming of the Shrew which is my favourite Shakespeare play I love that. I don't know that one so well actually it's all about um, kind of women's rights and it's it's quite fast forward for the time. You know, William Shakespeare kind of writing about equality for women and yeah. it's very good. It's very, very I'm, good I'm a Much Ado fan myself. Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh, she, did, she did also do, do a Much Ado, Much Ado About Nothing. Jolly yeah. good. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Um, and I will come back to her connection with Henry Irving because there was a big kind of question mark on... Were they together? Were they not together? Were they seeing each other, sleeping together? Because they were just so close. They were inseparable. And they worked very closely together later on in life at the Lyceum Theatre, which I'll come back to. So then she started seeing Edwin Godwin. Um, Do you know Edwin Godwin? (laughs) Do you know Edwin Godwin? (laughs) Edwin Godwin? No, I've no idea who Edwin Godwin is. God forbid. Um, so he was a designer. I mean, if you went into Liberties, you would have seen his wallpapers and textiles. You would have seen his art furniture, oh. um, uh, costumes. So uh, this relationship started and it was quite serious, actually. They moved to Harpenton together and she actually left the stage for six years. Wow. And decided to concentrate on this relationship that she had with Edwin Godwin. 
Edwin Godwin. <laughs> Edwin Godwin. Um, but she was still married, you see. So she to was still married to Watts. Watts. So mm. even though they had split up, they didn't actually get a divorce until 1877. And by that point, Ellen Terry and Edwin Godwin had already broken up. Not Edwin Godwin. Not Edwin Godwin, for God's sake. Um, so... Uh, but they did have two children together. So Edwin and Ellen, they had two children. They were called Edith and Edward. Okay. Um, both of which end up going into a career of acting or behind oh, the wow. stage. Yeah, so you've just got this whole line of actors with this with this family. It's crazy. Theatre folk. Love it. Love it. And because this is uh, the 19th century, a lot of fingers are pointed towards Ellen Terry about having children out of wedlock. Um, It was hugely scandalous at the time. So for a little while, her reputation did actually uh, start to to, to fall a little bit. Oh, goodness. That's Um, awful, isn't it? It's just so bad. I know. And Edwin Godwin would have had no fingers pointed at him. So true. So true. Um. Anyway, so they separated in 1875, but they were still very good friends. Um, Godwin still continued to design uh, the costumes for Terry uh, for her performances. That's nice, actually, that they they sort of stayed stayed friendly because that, yeah. Yeah, but it was only about 10 years after that that Godwin actually died. Ah. Oh. Yes, he, he no, died in Didn't stay friendly for too long, six. man. No. <laughs> um, apparently there was uh, some complications during an operation to remove his kidney stones. Oh. Um, but that's another story. Um, so she eventually returned to the stage because, as I say, you know, she had six years off and she obviously was raising her children as well and wanting to be a mother. Um, not to say that you can't work and be a mother, please don't think that I'm, I mean that, but you know, just taking some time out. Yep. So she returned to the stage and this is where she started working at the Lyceum Theatre alongside Henry Irvin. And if you go to the back of the Lyceum Theatre, which is currently showing, well, not currently, but well. should be showing, The Lion King. Yep. Um, so it's just on the end or the edge of the, the strand. I went past it just today. Oh, did you? Lovely. Yeah. Um, so you will see the names kind of carved into the wall and it will say Irvin, Terry, and it will also say uh, Stoker as well, which is a uh, Bram Stoker. Uh-huh. And these three people um, were heavily entwined with making the Lyceum Theatre what it is today. Amazing. Um, and this is the time where, you know, people actually start to want to see her. Um, people will pay a lot of money. They'll queue for tickets to see her because they just know that she is going to be fantastic. Mm. Um, she appeared in many productions by George Bernard Shaw. Uh, and it's believed that George Bernard Shaw started having a bit of a bit of a thing with Ellen Terry. Oh, really? <laughs> a bit of a paper courtship, apparently, where they're exchanging love letters for about 30 oh. years. So... <laughs> So just a little bit on the side. It's rather exciting. <laughs> yes. Um, so in 1875, she gave an incredible performance um, as Portia in The Merchant of Venice. And this was at the Prince of Wales Theatre, which is the one where you could currently find, if it was on, the Book of Mormon. So, so right by Leicester, Leicester Square. Square. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, The Merchant of Venice, it went to the Lyceum Theatre, and it ran for 250 performances in its first season. Wow, that's impressive. 
Because normally yeah, it was, these it, things would, you know, would go for like two or three months and then close. Yeah, no, 250 performances. Wow. And actually she performed um, in The Merchant of Venice about a thousand times um, during this partnership with uh, with Henry Irving. My goodness. And you say yeah. that she goes back to Midsummer Night's Dream all the time. She must have been working non-stop. Yeah. Oh, she was. She was. I mean, I haven't got time to tell you all of the different places where she performed and the, the different things as well, because I'm talking mostly about Shakespeare, but she did all sorts of uh, performances. She did a lot of naturalistic drama as well. So, yeah, I'm just, you know, having to kind of scale it down in terms of time because she has a huge list yeah. of things that she did and achieved and what an incredible person as. yeah um so with this uh, character portia in the merchant of venice she wore this incredible costume it was green and the sleeves were incredibly long they're called beetle sleeves they kind of hang down okay. and this green dress goes all the way to her ankles it is bound quite tight around her waist and she has uh, long bright red hair her face is quite pale and when she moves the dress kind of glistens Ooh. and you see all these kind of gems upon it it's just stunning that sounds incredible yeah and it's actually on display in hive house hive house oh. which is where she lived in kent it's now been turned into kind of like a national trust property mm. um and you can see it on display Wow, and that the, oh, sounds like I yeah, that sounds worth the journey just for that dress alone. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it turns, it kind of like a, it, oh, wow. it turns around. So as it turns around, and you're looking through this glass kind of box, you can see it kind of twinkling. Oh. And yeah, it's it's beautiful. Um, and John Singer Sargent, he wanted to paint her. He wanted to paint her in this beautiful green dress. And where John Singer Sargent lived, which was um, along Tite Street in London, he lived opposite Oscar Wilde. Okay. And Oscar Wilde had seen her perform in A Merchant of Venice and was just so taken back and said, you know, no woman looked so fair as thou whom I behold, which is what Oscar Wilde wow. said about her after he saw her. And he was at home looking out the window and he suddenly sees his carriage pull up and Ellen Terry gets out in full regalia, full costume, ready to go into John Singer Sargent's home to be painted. And Oscar Wilde, his jaw is just dropped and he's like, Tight Street will always be a street full of wonderful things after this. Because he was just like, whoa, that was, you know, I wasn't expecting that at all. And I think it was only a few days after he'd actually seen her on stage. So probably wow. still had yeah. that emotion running in his head, which I just love. This that was so exciting. You've got like Oscar Wilde and Ellen Terry running around town, all hanging out in similar areas and getting people getting out of carriages to go and be painted. It all sounds so glamorous. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. And I don't know how, you know, how much money they had when they were growing up. I feel like there was a lot of graft here when it comes to her mum and dad and and just this pure talent that has driven her forward in society mm. um yeah it's great wow. 
Um, now this particular painting which please have a look at as well if you don't know it John Singer Sargent and um, the painting of Ellen Terry is Portia in The Merchant of Venice as I say you'll see the bright red hair you'll see the green dress um, you can actually see it on display at the Tate Britain Gallery when it is open um, and apparently it was at the time it was just so popular that so many people kind of flocked to go and see it and would queue up just to try and get a glimpse of it. I've just brought up the picture. So that is the dress that's in her house. Yes. It's insanely beautiful. It is, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, and as I say, that's in Hive House, H-Y-T-H-E, Hive House, which she, she later lived in. Goodness me, yeah. Um, now, she was still going in her 60s. She toured all across Britain, all across America, Australia, New Zealand. And at this point, she wasn't just performing um, Shakespeare. She was talking about Shakespeare. She was lecturing on Shakespeare's heroines, um, which can you imagine? That must have been so exciting, like from her perspective, to go around the world and talk about talk about these characters that she has grown so close to um it must have been a brilliant life how fantastic i mean yeah it does sound incredible yeah and as well you know this is a time when we've got the victorian period women were expected to play very compliant roles um but she established herself as a bit of a powerhouse you know she wasn't just a muse she was a, a an incredible woman gosh um so yes, I was just going to say as well, the National Trust property now celebrates Ellen Terry, which is Hive House, um, and they have all sorts of different things on display, um, different kind of uh, letters and uh, scripts where you can see all of her kind of side notes. Um, and actually, I think you can find a few things like that also in the V&A connected to, to Ellen Terry. Mm. It looks like it's actually called Small Hive Place. Small Hive Place. Small Hive, yeah. Small Hive, yes. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. No, no, it's, yeah. it's fine. It's just always good to... Um, yeah, it looks incredible. I'm, right, I'm seeing a, a road trip in our future. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot of speculation between the relationship that Terry and Irving had. As I said, like they just were so close. Mm. And not only were they performing together on stage, but they were basically managing the Lyceum Theatre together. And there was just clearly something there. And he was still married. He had split up from his partner, but he was still married. Um, so he never fully fully knew completely and he died he actually died after after a performance um and after he died lots of people asked ellen terry to you know to tell people were you an item and she said we were terribly in love for a while but that's all i can say wow so yeah just love this kind of little little secret affair yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well they all clearly meant a lot to each other whether or not that was you know that went any further that's yeah gosh yeah um now in america she played all sorts of roles again as she goes into her early 70s one of which was uh playing nell Gwyn in the first actress ah, okay yeah um and also while she was in the united states she actually had an operation to remove the cataracts from both of her eyes uh, this was only partially successful. 
and as of course uh, somebody on stage your eyesight and to look at the script and, and and everything like that you know is heavily important so it really started to to worsen mm-hmm. after this operation um so now it's about uh, kind of early 1900s and actually during world war 1 she performed in many war benefits uh, many kind of charity performances and and different things to kind of lift the soldier's spirits, which Yay. which is a bit like a a, a Vera Lynn, but um, yeah. from an actor's perspective. Nice. Um, she also turned to film, <laughs> so she was in all sorts of movies. She in, did everything, didn't she, she? Honestly, she did so much. So she did Victory and Peace, Pillars of Society. Um, the Bohemian Girl. I have to say that I haven't seen these movies, but after I've done my research on her, I really, really want to see her. Yeah, might take a bit of unearthing, mightn't they? But I'm sure we can yeah. find them somewhere. Yeah. Um, in 1925, she was appointed dame. So as I mentioned, she was Dame Alice Ellen Terry. So she uh, was given the Dame Grand Cross of the Order of the British Empire. And she was the only second, only the second ever actress to to to, to gain that. The wow. other being Genevieve Ward, who I don't know much about, to be honest. I've never even heard that name, to be honest. I know. Um, and it wasn't soon. It wasn't soon after this that she really did lose her eyesight. It really started to, to just get worse and worse. And it was in 1928 that she actually passed away. Um, and it's said that when she did die, and this was in a small hive place, mm. um, her son said that she looked 30 years old she looked like a beautiful woman laying on the bed she looked like juliet like you know what a thing and a death mask was made of her oh wow yeah you can find it in london quite late to be doing death masks actually does a bit doesn't it 1928 but i guess in terms of costume and masks i don't know if she did much commedia dell'arte but I don't know. Maybe it was, you know, let's yeah. create a create a mask yeah. of mum. And you can find that in the National Portrait Gallery. Oh, really? The actual the actual mask. The actual mask. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you know where her ashes? Might uh, be? I would. Ah, now, okay. I suspect you're asking me this because it's something I might be able to figure out. So I'm going yes. to say either Poets Corner at Westminster Abbey or the Actors Church in Covent Garden. I'm going to go uh. for... Oh, well, given given your reaction there, <laughs> I'm going to go for the Actors Church in Covent yeah, Garden. Yeah, well done, well done. So, yes, yeah, so if you don't know the Actors Church, it's called St Paul's Church in Covent Garden. And when you go in, along the walls, you'll see all of these names. You'll see people like Charlie Chaplin and, and different dedications to actors that have performed in London. And there you will find uh, a silver chalice. It's kind of kept to the right of the chancel in the church. Okay. Yeah. And um, and that's where you'll find her ashes. Oh, so I didn't know cool. that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now I did mention about her children. So yeah. her daughter Edith Craig, she, uh, Craig, sorry, she became a theatre director. She was a producer, costume designer. She was actually an early pioneer of women's suffrage as well. Brilliant. Um, so she would have kind of been alongside the likes of um, Emmeline Pankhurst and things. Uh, her, her her son Edward 
Gordon, which is very much like Edwin Godwin. <laughs> Edwin Godwin. <laughs> <laughs> Edward Gordon. He became an actor. Um, he was an effects designer. He was an oh. illustrator. Um, he founded a theatrical store, a school in Italy. Um, in terms of blue plaques, you can find a blue plaque to Ellen Terry in Earl's Court mm-hmm. at uh, Barkston Gardens, which is where she used to live. And there are also um, quite a few bits, thing, uh, quite a few bits of memorabilia to Walter if you go to Shakespeare's birthplace in Stratford upon Avon. Amazing! That's yeah. so fab. Okay. Wow. Fantastic! Thank you so much, Emily. What? Are, yeah, you're I, welcome. I'm loving these people that we're we're sort of digging up and uh, well, not digging up. I mean, that would be weird. Um, yeah. But that we're you know finding out more about. And again, Ellen Terry. I knew that she was an actor. I knew that she was a Shakespearean actor. I didn't know much about her. And I'm loving this, you know, this sort of dynasty of of um, actors because she seems to come from a long line of of uh, theatre types. And um, it's fantastic. And I love that her name is still at the back of the Lyceum as yeah that that part of uh, which is one of the most famous theatres in London isn't it really and mm. and and to have her name still up there and be one of the major parts of that is absolutely fantastic oh definitely she would have known London so well and it's it's lovely to know that she performed in so many theatres which still exist today because if yeah. you go to the Lyceum Theatre Wardrury Lane Adelphi you know you can look at the stage and think gosh you know she performed here and I wonder what kind of feeling and atmosphere she created. Do we yeah. have, I mean, I can't imagine there would be because she seemed to have lived a very fulfilled and happy life. We don't have a, a ghost of hers anywhere? Um, not that I've read. No. I mean, there might well be. There are so many ghosts in theatres, aren't there? So, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Podcast Pedestal. So, Podcast Pedestal, we have to pick... Yes. Uh, what we're going for. Uh, what, are you, what are you going for on this one? Oh, do you know, I think I might go for her parents. Okay. Because her parents were actors and she must have just been so attached to that from a young age. And mm. yeah, I think they got her on the road, on the theatrical road. Yeah. So I think her parents. Interesting. Yeah, because I think I think that's a that's a uh, yeah really good one because it's a a little bit like we had the other week um, with um, Virginia Woolf sitting outside her father's library. It's that thing of yeah, where do you get that from? It's it's Mm. that that drive behind you. Where am I going? Oh, this is so tricky. I actually think I'm going to pick the Lyceum Theatre. Mm, that's because a good I, I was I was toying with Godwin, just partly because it amuses me how <laughs> <laughs> Edwin Godwin <laughs> how tricky it is to say. Um, but I think that I see him because I love the fact that she was one of the the people who made it the way you know what it is today. But also the fact that her name is still on it. That she's, it's not just a case of, the, you know, she was instrumental in it and, and fabulous, thanks very much. She's on it. Like, her name is there yeah. amongst the other two. And what illustrious company to be in. And what a fantastic thing to be immortalised in the bricks and mortar of the place that you were instrumental in creating. That is still going strong today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going for the Lyceum Theatre. 
lovely. I think that's, that's a great one. I think it's going to be another close one. I think next it might week. be another close one. Hopefully, it'll go one point my way this week. Mm. <laughs> if, okay, if, Rachel, if Rachel wins it for you again this week, I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> Come on, Rachel. <laughs> Keep giving me the win. Fabulous. Well, there we go. That's it. Those are your picks, everybody, for Podcast Pedestal this week. How can they vote, Em? So you can vote on Instagram. We usually put it up on Sundays. Um, so that's on my Instagram, Alex. If we remember. Instagram, if I remember. I didn't remember this week. Um, it went up on Monday. <laughs> and then I reposted um, it but didn't manage to do it properly. So then it, uh, anyway. Uh, oh, whoops. We're, so we're, we're so rubbish at this, aren't we? Just... But you literally, you can just message us. You can just message us like lovely Rachel does and just let us know who you're voting for. Yeah, absolutely fine. And whoever, whichever one of us picks up the, uh, the response will tell you whether or not they think that's a good choice yes (laughs) very true fabulous brilliant all right well have you got anything that you want to let people know about um for yeah have you got anything upcoming yes i've got a garden tour coming up it's called um in an english country garden it's an hour and a half it's a virtual tour (laughs) in an english country garden um you'll be pleased to know i won't be singing on the virtual tour so have no fear um it's 10 pounds per person and you can book it at the londontourgroup.com and that is on the 4th of april 4th of april at 2 p.m amazing fabulous and what Um, about your lovely self well i've got another poll up for uh choices for another virtual tour series so you can get to that on my website Um, but i am looking at when i'm going to be bringing back my public walking tours so i'm probably going to announce that next week in my newsletter so come and join up to the newsletter and you'll get the first dibs on um when my public virtual tours are um, sorry public tours walking tours are going on uh, and you can come and book on those because let's face it we all need to get out and about a bit don't we we do we do the wheel of destiny right so okay it's time to spin the wheel yes do you have any feelings about it this week feelings i have any feelings um i'm very emotional about it (laughs) (laughs) no i am um I've, I've learned not to try and second guess the wheel because I never, I always think, I'm sure it's going to get here this week and it never does. So, no, I'm just, let's let the chips fall where they may. Okay, let's go with the flow. And off we go. I love the finger. <laughs> she always flourishes the finger when she goes. Um, oh, oh my God. Alex, you won't believe this. What? Oh, we're back, not back in the same place, are we? No, we've never landed here before. It's a place that we're always like, Oh my god, I hope it it's not Greenwich. It never does. It's Greenwich! It's Greenwich! I got Greenwich! <laughs> Yay! Oh my goodness, Yay. I'm looking forward to Greenwich so much. Okay, there is a ton of stuff in Greenwich that I want to do. I want to do a loud Equiano at some point, but I have um, a guest in mind for that. So I might, um, uh, I don't know why, I, I, I haven't sort of broached the idea with her, so that's why I'm not going to do it this week. Um, uh, oh, okay. This is something. So I've been doing lots of live virtual tours lately of Greenwich um, for a, a particular company. And I am really loving the stories about John Harrison, uh, the clocks. Uh, so finding longitude and Greenwich Meridian, Prime Meridian, how it came to be there and what Ooh. it's all about. So I think we're going to do a bit oh, about... Yeah, the beginning of time well not quite beginning of time but you know what i mean um so yes. yeah john harrison um and oh sir cloudsley shovel 
You know, oh, so the clouds, clouds Lee. I yes. love the clouds, Lee Shovel. So, yeah, John Harrison, Time Clocks, all of that thing. I'm going to try and figure out a snappy title for that. Um, but let's do that. Greenwich, Greenwich Meridian and all that that entails for next week. Happy Sounds with that? fantastic. Brilliant. Yep, Good. well into that. Yay. Great. Well, that's it for this week. Brilliant. Oh, thank you very much for joining us, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, thank you very much, Alex. Stay sane, stay groovy, um, and we're starting to come out of lockdown, so, um, you know, we're getting there. We're getting there. It'll all happen. We're getting there. We're well, listen, that's it for us this week. Thank you so much, everybody. We will see you next week. Don't forget to come and vote on the Instagram poll on Sunday or drop us a message if you can't be bothered to wait. If you're so excited and you must let us know, that's fine too. Um, and we will see you next week for a little bit of Greenwich uh, Meridian. Beautiful. Can't wait. Have a see lovely then, week, everybody. everybody. Bye. Bye.